Merry Christmas, everyone. Oh, man, you know, I was warned not to give Kim that Farty Facts book until after her story was done. The, the team warned me that if I gave that to her before the story was finished, she would find a way to include it in her story. I mean, was that a fun story with a purpose? Could we just give it up for Kim and her team? Yeah. So whether you're online tonight on live stream or whether you're here in person, I just want you to know how happy we are to be with you tonight. How wonderful it is to be together. Do you remember where you were a year ago on this day at this time? Yeah, at our house, in our homes. Segregated, not united, right? It's not that we were fighting or anything, but the pandemic had us all home. In fact, our theme last year was, I'll be home for Christmas. And we got to do some cool things, but they don't replace being in person together. And for those of you who are online tonight, live streaming, we just want you to know we miss you. We love you. But we are so grateful that we can still share the experience together via live streaming. Isn't that a great blessing that's come out of COVID? Is it all those things have been refined and developed in ways that most churches can use? So, so grateful for that. Well, you know, tonight our culture um, loves the idea of go big or go home. And that's been happening for quite a while. But that idiom or that slogan has several stories about its origin. The most repeated one has to do with a motorcycle parts company in SoCal who in the 1990s used the go big or go home slogan on their packaging for some oversized Harley pipes for the Harley Davidson motorcycle. Is that perfect or what? I mean, how could you go any more oversized, right? They're already famous for their big pipes. But it's also rumored that it was the skiers moguls uh, sport in the 80s that coined that phrase. You know, go big or go home. Because if you're a mogul skier, the bigger the mogul, the better. I mean, the more that proves your stuff, your skill. And it's also rumored that it was part of the surfing crowd in Southern California. Go big or go home. That makes sense, right? Take the biggest wave on. But this idea has spread to all sorts of other endeavors in our culture Enter the gender reveal party. You know that gender reveal party where we let our friends, our family, and now the world via social media know the gender of our baby? Well, these parties started out small, like most stuff does, but they grew big, like a lot of online things do, and they grew from there. And I want you to take a look tonight at an outrageous example of one from one family. And I need for you to wear your sense of humor, okay, because, well, take a look. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event.
like, what just happened? <laughs> okay, my big brother Joe told me I could blame it on him. Because I showed it to him and he said, I'd show that. But I also shared it with my daughter, who's a children's pastor in Stanwood, Washington. And she said, I want you to take a screenshot of me on FaceTime. And this is what she did. She, she knows her mother. This is my daughter who would count cuss words in a movie when she was growing up to tell us um, how many there were in it. Um, as an, kind of a judgment on the movie. But it, okay. It was a diaper, friends, okay? But it was an adult in a diaper, and he was dancing. I'll give you that. But our culture, along with many others, really lives with more of a go big or go home mentality. And how someone with power or status or some sort of importance should be introduced. And that's even true with how we introduce our baby's gender, to the world has become that way. Because we associate greatness with um, power, with larger-than-life strength, with special status, with special treatment, and with wealth. And, you know, this was true in the first century, too, when Jesus arrived on planet Earth. Kings and emperors and people of wealth had all sorts of special privileges and rights that other people did not get to have. Rulers were introduced with a lot of pomp and circumstance. So I asked myself the question, what about Jesus and his arrival to planet Earth? What did that look like? And so I'm going to read for you the, the Christmas story, the familiar one out of Luke chapter 2. And then we're going to take a look at four elements in that story. They're going to show us, give us the answer to that. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to, in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. Now, while they were there, the time came for the child to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now suddenly, a great company on the heavenly, of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. So when we look at the birth story 
I ask the question, what does Jesus' arrival show us about God? And I want to just consider four elements in this story. First of all, the place, the place that Jesus was born. Mary and Joseph arrived in Bethlehem for this census, which is, and Bethlehem's described as small among the clans of Judah. Now, hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, a prophet, Micah, said, but you, Bethlehem, Epathra, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So this kind of gives new meaning to the song that we sing as a carol, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. O little town. It was in this little town that God chose for Jesus to not only be born into a little town, but for his first bed to be a manger, his first crib, his first cradle, a feeding trough for animals to eat from. Jesus' reveal is a paradox from the go big or go home mindset of our culture, from the idea of a big reveal, because it wasn't big at all. Jesus' birthplace was humble and small. And it didn't get bigger after he was born, because we know that he actually grew up in the village of Nazareth, a village of hundreds, not thousands, and a place that its location was considered less in status because it was in the northern part of Israel. And those living in the south around Jerusalem saw that as the favored area. It was like thousands of little towns across our country. You see, Jesus went to someplace more like Lyons or Sio or Jefferson or Cornelius or Gaston. He didn't go to Portland. He didn't go to Los Angeles. He didn't go to a New York City. So we have this small, humble place. And then we have the parents that God chose for Jesus. God chose parents for him who were young and who had less means. They were not high-income people. Joseph was a carpenter, a tradesman, and Mary was just a teen. They were engaged to be married when she became pregnant, not by another man, not by Joseph, but by the Holy Spirit. And it, if they were describing their relationship on social media, they would have had to write, it's complicated. I kind of would have liked to see their explanation when people ask them, what do you mean when you write, it's complicated? Try to explain that one. But this obscure young couple gave birth to the Savior of the world. And trust me, friends, nobody was expecting a couple like Mary and Joseph. It wasn't who they were looking for as the birth parents of a king. And then there's the baby. That's right, Jesus came as a baby. Our father chose to reveal himself by arriving as a baby, small, vulnerable, helpless, completely dependent. You see, our father chose to reveal Jesus in the same way that you and I are revealed to the world. Just as a little baby, completely dependent. And then there's the eyewitnesses. Our father chose the shepherds to be the first recipients of the news. And as far as we know, the only ones who got to see him right at his birth in that manger that night. And they were the first to get to spread the news to others. And shepherds, those were a marginalized, lowly, low on the social status in their day group of people. So we come back to my original question that we were going to ask tonight, and that's this. 
What do we learn about the Father from all of this? And why do I ask that question? A couple months ago, I was reading in John's Gospel, John 14, 6, he says to his disciples this, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Those are Jesus' words. And so we ask ourselves, so what does this show us about our Father, the way he revealed his Son? Well, first of all, Jesus' arrival was understated, way understated. As one of our Advent devotions that we've been going through this month, last week, one of the authors mentioned how his reveal was almost in disguise. He almost came in disguise. Apparently, our father does not need a football stadium named after him, a bowl game named after him, or an entourage of famous people to verify or legitimize his significance. Because you see, friends, what we can tell is that our Father is completely secure in who He is. And He is not afraid to identify with our weaknesses, our vulnerability, or our lack of resources. He's not worried about His reputation and what associating with the likes of you and me will do to His reputation. We learn from that he trusted his story with lowly people, with people who were vulnerable, with people without a lot of personal power in the culture. He trusted his story to people a lot like you and me, imperfect people. He doesn't need our help with his reputation or his son's reputation. He takes total responsibility for that. Now, some of us have learned this children's song that I learned as a kid, and I, I sang it later with, many, with my kids. Our God, my God is so great, so strong and so mighty. I'm going to sing this. You're going to have to suffer through that. And kids, I want you to sing it with me if you know it, and you've got to do the motions with me, okay? Right where you're singing. My God is so great, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so great, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his, the rivers are his, the stars are his handiwork too. My God is so great, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do for you and you and you. <laughs> That's what we do at the end. Okay, why am I singing that song tonight? Because that song is a wow song in terms of what it says about God. It focuses on God, our creator. It focuses on the fact that those rivers that you and I swim in, kayak in, whitewater raft in, wade in, catch crawdads in, were created by him. It captures the fact that God created those mountains that we love to hike, that we love to take pictures of, that we like to gaze upon just to be inspired by their grandeur. And it captures the beauty of a night sky and what we see in it, the stars that are out when the clouds aren't there and if they're not there. But it's wonderful, right? This song is a wow about God's greatness and his power. It, wow is a natural expression of amazement. Sometimes we talk about what's the wow in that or we say we really wowed them with that. This means that we evoked amazement in people, which is what the shepherds did when they told about this humble little birth of this king. But what was God's wow 
in the reveal of his son, Jesus. Where's the big in his reveal? The wow is in the why, friends. The wow is in the why. He didn't need Jesus um, to birth to be a big, splashy event at the best medical center with the uh, most advanced maternity care available, followed by a photo session with a famous photographer and then a layout on the front of People magazine showing him in all his beauty. No, he went small, and his wow was in the why. And what was that why? What was his why? His why was his love for every single person on planet Earth. Every person who ever would be, every person who was going to be, every person who was there in that moment as well. No matter what their story was, he loves every single person. And he came to rescue us and give us an incredible future with him and be with us in our present. Now, after Jesus was all grown up, he shared the why in his own words. He said this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved. There's that why. On another occasion, Jesus visits that hometown of Nazareth, that little village of just hundreds, and he stands up in their synagogue on a Sabbath, and he reads these words which describe what Jesus came to do. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, he said, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I have a friend who I'm praying this over regularly because the Lord told me I've come for him. You see, he doesn't know it. He doesn't know that I'm praying this over this because he's trapped in the cycle of addiction. And Jesus has come for him. He came to release him from the dark prison of his addiction. He came to give him freedom from the drugs that are holding him captive. And most of all, he came to bind up his broken heart, which is behind all of that addiction. Jesus' reveal matches what he came to do. Friends, this is how Jesus arrived in a small, obscure place to parents whose reputation, frankly, was compromised. As a baby, helpless and dependent and vulnerable, with some eyewitnesses that were just a bunch of lowly shepherds. And Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. God purposely went small in the reveal of his son Jesus to identify with us. You see, what he wants us to know tonight is that he gets us. He gets us from the inside out, from our most vulnerable. Our father wows us, not with a birth story filled with spectacular details, but instead with his why. Our father loves us, we who are vulnerable, we who are hurting, we who are helpless, we who are grieving, we who are the depressed, we who are the brokenhearted, we who are the lost, we who are working so hard, trying so hard, and getting tired. 
We who feel like we're on the margins of our culture instead of included and in the center of it. And yes, we who think that we don't even need anyone beyond ourselves. Because that's the kind of love that is wowing us, friends. That's the wow of God's love that he came for all of us and loves all of us. And the invitation tonight is to receive his amazing love. Receive this Jesus who arrives small and let his love be the wow. Now I'm mindful tonight that there's two groups of people here. And one of those is as people who have never said yes to a relationship with Jesus. So they've never said, Jesus, I believe in you and I want to receive you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to say yes to you. And you can do that tonight. And if you do that, you can bring your questions, you can bring your doubts. And friends, you can bring the details of your story. It doesn't matter how dark it seems to you. Jesus comes to put his light into your story, whatever it involves. And you can make that decision tonight. But you know, there's a bunch of us in the room too that are like me. I've walked with Jesus for quite a while. And here's something that can happen. The wonder of his love that we sing about in joy to the world and wonders of his love, sometimes that wonder can get lost in the things that are happening in our story, in the things that are happening in our culture. That love, uh, that, that wonder at his love can wane. And tonight he's inviting us to recapture the love, the wonder of his love for us. The fact that his love is unfailing. The fact that his love is for everyone. The fact that his love is eternal. The fact that his love will never fail, will never give up, will never betray you, will never leave you, will never forsake you. He has a place for you in his love. And I want to invite you to just pray with me and let's ask Jesus to do that for all of us. That when we gather around the tree with our family, we will be struck with the amazing wonder of his love and how he has cared for us in the last two years. How he has taken us through things that we never imagined we would have to face. How we've said goodbye to people that we dearly love. He loves us, friends, and that is a wonderful thing, wonderful. Let's pray together. Jesus, we just thank you for the wonder of your love, the fact, Lord, that tonight we stand fully clothed in, fully soaked in your love. And, Lord, that every person here would experience that with you, Lord, that you would envelop them with your love in a way that they can sense it, they can feel it, they can know it. And, Lord, that we would open up to that afresh and anew. Would you help us recapture that just that first experience with your love? And the realness of that, Lord, we invite you to do that in our lives. And, Lord, that we would experience overwhelming gratitude and wonder at the why you came. You came because you love us. Thank you for coming small. Thank you for identifying with us down to the smallest details of our frailty, Lord. You identified with our humanity. And we thank you for that. Help us identify with your wonder. In Jesus' name, amen.